0: Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Are you guys ready for the word? Let's get into it, shall we? Oh, come on. That was a solid two. Are you ready at home? It's awesome. Uh, Well, we were slated to enter into a new series today and uh, I decided to put pause on that for just a moment um, because there's a thought that's been floating around in my brain for the last couple of weeks. Just one thought, that's all my brain can handle. And uh, it's just been something that's on my heart and honestly, in light of this last week's uh, events and announcements, it felt very timely to discuss this topic today and I think it's gonna help some people out. It's helped me out and hopefully it helps you out as well. But today I wanna talk about dealing with disappointment a feeling that many of us have become intimately acquainted with over the last couple of months, if you weren't already because of life circumstances, uh, but a feeling that seems to be coming in increased waves week after week after week. Has anyone else felt that besides me? Just the disappointment wave coming in and slapping you around in the face. Yeah, you can be honest in church. You can raise your hand. You won't get COVID doing that. I promise it'll be good. But man, I just feel like every week there's a new wave of disappointment that seems to be coming our way. And not to be you know, Debbie Downer or Billy Bad News, but uh, newsflash, you're gonna have to deal with disappointment quite a bit in this life. Not just in this season, not just during this four months, but there's plenty of opportunity to allow disappointment to mess you up in this journey called life. And if we're not careful, as people of faith, disappointment can begin to lodge itself in our hearts, And it can become the very thing that devastates our faith. I've seen it time and time again. I've been in ministry now for 13 years and walked with friends and family members, close friends and uh, people in our community that have allowed the disappointment when God doesn't do what you thought he should do, that disappointment has become the very thing that allowed them to take an off ramp in their journey of faith. Someone prayed for healing, but the family member still died. Someone prayed for the provision, but the house still foreclosed. Someone prayed for the rescued marriage, but the divorce still took place. And because they were waiting for God to do what they expected him to do, but he did not do what they thought he should, disappointment set in, and that disappointment devastated their faith. And as I survey the landscape of our community here at the Father's house, and honestly, even the church at large right now where there's a whole lot of disappointment, it seems as though we find ourselves at this fork in the road where a lot of people have the opportunity to choose, am I going to continue to believe and continue to follow Jesus even though I'm disappointed in the outcome? Or am I gonna take this off ramp and maybe run away for a little while, maybe for the rest of my days because I don't know how to process why things are not happening the way I thought they should. We have to understand how to deal with this ever-present feeling of disappointment. And I believe today by the Holy Spirit, as we go to the Word, as as we look at what Jesus has to say about this subject, that hope is going to arise in some hearts. Come on, somebody. That many of us are going to walk out of this place filled with hope once again. And I believe, as the title of this message would suggest, that we're going to be able to believe beyond the bars. If you're taking notes today, that's what I want to title this chat. Believe beyond the bars, which doesn't make any sense right now, but fear not. Not the bars in the club and all that, but a different kind of bars. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, If you Got a Bible? Open it up to the Book of John, chapter one, verse twenty-nine. That's where we're going to start today. And let me give you a little backdrop before we we take a look at this guy by the name of John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist was a pretty famous figure in the New Testament. The the Old Testament prophesied uh, in the book of Malachi and in the book of Isaiah that there would be one that would come and he would herald the Messiah. He would alert the world that the Messiah was on his way, that he was coming. A voice crying out in the wilderness. And John the Baptist was that voice. Kind of a weird eclectic dude. Uh, He wore camel skin, probably had a really long beard. Uh, They said that he ate locusts and wild honey, kind of a weird diet. Just picture kind of like you talking Tarzan or someone that like likes to camp like a whole lot, like they just live out there in the wilderness, or you know maybe the guy on the corner, Hate Ashbury, right there in front of the costume store, like that dude. All right, that's that's who we're talking. Minus the puka shells and the, the tie dye shirt, but uh, he's he's out there in the wilderness and he's preaching every day, and his message is the same every single week. Imagine coming to the church and hearing the same message every single week. Repent, because the Messiah is on his way. That's what he. I, I mean, his message was one dimensional, very simple. But people responded by the thousands and they'd come out to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And one day, while he's by the side of the river preaching this message, repent, because the Messiah is coming, Jesus himself walks up on the scene. The awaited Messiah shows up. And look at what John says here in John chapter one, verse 29. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I've been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Now, looking at that passage of scripture, there is no doubt in anybody's mind that John was convinced Jesus is the Messiah, right? We can all, we can all agree. John made th- that statement right there. This is the one that we have been waiting for. He saw the spirit fall. In fact, according to Matthew and Mark's gospel, he heard the father speak from heaven, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So we got the spirit, we got the father, we got every confirming voice, this is the Messiah. No doubt in John's mind. However, if you fast forward John's life, just a couple of months from this moment, something happens that turns out to be a little devastating for his faith. Something happens where disappointment begins to settle in, and the very man who heralded the Messiah begins to doubt whether or not Jesus is who he says he is. John's out there preaching one day, and he heard about Herod, uh, the king of, of Rome. And he, uh, Herod had taken his brother's wife and brought him in as, a, as his own. And uh, John denounced uh, that, that lifestyle and made it clear that Herod was in the wrong. And by doing so publicly, he was arrested by Rome and he was placed in prison. And look at what John says just a couple of months after this statement that he believes Jesus is the Messiah. Matthew eleven two, two, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things that the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away on account of me. So so put these two things together. In one moment, John is convinced Jesus is the Messiah. He's the savior we've been waiting for. I saw the spirit fall. I heard the father say, this is the Messiah. But then fast forward a couple of months later in prison, John's asking this question. Hey, are you really the Messiah? Are you really the one we've been waiting for? Because my circumstances right now don't really prove that you are who you say you are. So are you the one I've been waiting for or should I be looking for somebody else? Let me ask you as we start into this today, what can cause someone to go from being fully convinced to filled with doubt in a matter of months? One word, disappointment. That's what disappointment will do to us. So we're gonna talk about it. Before we talk about it, we're gonna pray about it. Let's pray and we're gonna get into this. Jesus, we love you today. I thank you for your word, and I thank you it has the power to change us. In fact, I thank you that your word has the power to lift us up, to breathe hope into every heart. And God, I pray for every discouraged, every disillusioned, every disappointed soul that's listening right now, watching online, or sitting in this room. Would you speak life? Would you speak hope? As it seems like we move backwards in this scenario, and we go back to sheltering, and things are closing down again, it would be very easy to see disappointment settle back in. But Father, we declare in faith that we are gonna be those that are filled with hope because our God is victorious in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, amen. You can say it through your mass today, amen. All right, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had one of those, uh, this was not in the brochure kind of moments before where things didn't quite work out the way you thought they would. Your, your expectation and your experience did not align. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, maybe uh, you saw a... Uh, one of those those trailers for a movie and you, you thought, okay, this is going to be an incredible film. I got to go see it. It's got Nicolas Cage in it and you know it's going to be the best. And then you went and saw the movie and you're like, it has Nicolas Cage in it and turned out to be absolutely horrible. You know what I'm talking about. Or uh, probably never happened to you. I'm the only sucker in the room. But have you ever like bought a piece of workout equipment or paid all that money to go on like that special diet because you saw the guy on the, uh, someone's like elbowing someone in the back of the room right now. That's awesome. But You know, you saw the the guy on the screen, you're like, yo, I wanna look like that. He's got like twelve abs and like six biceps, and like he looks like an Adonis. I wanna look like that guy. And so you spend all the money, you buy the equipment, you go on the diet. Three weeks later, you're like, My experience doesn't seem to be lining up with my expectation. The man on the box and the man in the mirror, they are two different people. Like so you had to throw, the th- yeah, it's happened to all of us. Uh, my wife and I, we had one of those, this was not in the brochure kind of moments, 16 years ago when we were on our honeymoon uh, in Maui. And uh, yeah, not to brag, uh, but uh, we, were, uh, we were on our honeymoon and we were very young when we got married, clearly, because we look incredibly young right now. So you can only imagine what, 16 years, we were nine when we got married. So, uh, <laughs> but we're very naive as young people are hanging out in, in Hawaii and uh, we were kind of the easy target for those corner salespeople. You know, the guys that are like peddling the, the different excursions and the tourist traps. So one night we're cruising down in Lahaina and we're walking along the street and this guy sees us coming. And I know in his brain, he's like, I'm gonna get these two. So we start walking up and he just sinks his little sales fangs into us. He's like, oh, it's your honeymoon. Oh my gosh, congratulations. And you know, you feel like in that moment, like he genuinely cares about us. He's like, I got so many things you guys need to do on your honeymoon. And so he starts going through all the, the different excursions. You, you have to go, you know, snorkeling out here by Molokai. Oh, yeah, yeah, we have to go snorkeling. And then, oh, you, you need to do the Lahaina Luau. It's like, a, it's a right up. Oh, yeah, we need to do the Lahaina Huau. And then he gets to this moment that many of you have fallen prey to, especially if you were newly married or celebrating an anniversary. He takes out the brochure about the romantic dinner cruise. You've seen that one, right? It's like this, this is, and so you open it up. And like, you, it, it's dreamy. There's all these happy, good-looking people on the boat and they're holding each other and they're all wearing linen and you're like, that's what I wanna do. The wind is blowing in their hair, the sun's setting behind the catamaran. Do you turn to the next page and they got the food laid out there on silver platters, macadamia nut, crusted mahi-mahi and some shrimp and some complimentary Mai Tais and you're like, yeah, that's what we need to do right now, girl, so we signed up. And then the night came and we made our way out to the pier, I had all these visions in my head of what this, you know, young married couple was going to experience over the next couple of hours on this dinner cruise. I had images in my head of like, you know, Robin's hair blowing in the wind and me holding her by her waist as Jack held Rose in the Titanic while she's leaning out over the bow of the boat and Hawaiian music playing softly in the back. Boom, boom Yeah, that's not what happened. So we show up to the pier, and apparently every single vacationer in Maui bought this cruise at the same time. And they shove us onto this boat like sardines. Just, I mean, everybody's stacked on there. There's not even room to walk around. And you know, we start taking off over the bumpy ocean, and it's hot, and it's sweaty, and like barely anybody's wearing linen. And I'm like, yo, where are the pretty people from the brochure? None of these people look like the people from the brochure. And we get out to sea a little bit and they start handing out the complimentary Mai Tais, which was a red Solo cup with like watered down juice in it. And I'm like, is this a frat party? Where am I at right now? Like, what is happening? So finally, like everyone's a little queasy because you know, you've been bouncing around in the ocean a little bit. And you're like, okay, at least food is coming. At least I get the Mahi Mahi. So finally, like, all right, it's time for everyone to take their seats and we're gonna serve the food. And so, you know, we sit down and the picture I saw in the brochure, this couple was at a private table Someone was standing there serving them over a silver platter. Yeah, that's not what happened on the boat. This romantic dinner cruise is more like a family feeding trough. And like, I'm sitting at this table, people all around us, and like, literally, like, like, maybe a foot away from my face, there's another couple just sitting by Robin and I. And I'm like, they are definitely not on their honeymoon. These people have been married for probably 185 years at this point. And just chewing with their mouths open, you know, sucking shrimp through their dentures. And I'm like, this is not romantic at all. This is horrible. There was a bit of a gap between my expectation and my experience. The boat and the brochure did not align. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Now, <laughs> some of y'all been on that cruise. I see you, CJ. I just saw you elbowing your wife the whole time. I'm like, oh yeah, you remember that cruise, girl, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, we've all learned some valuable lessons, haven't we? Now, when I, when I look at this scripture in Matthew chapter 11, what a great transition, by the way. Uh, in Matthew chapter 11, I feel like we've got a bit of a, this was not in the brochure kind of a moment. A moment where there is this massive gap between John the Baptist's expectations and his experience. As he makes this inquiry of Jesus and he says, hey, are you the Messiah that we've been waiting for? Or should I be waiting for somebody else? Because right now, this is not what I expected. It might seem like an irreverent question for someone who just months earlier declared that Jesus was the Messiah But actually, I think what we see here is something that all of us have experienced in this journey of faith. The wrestling when our experience doesn't align with our expectation and disappointment begins to settle in a little bit. See, John, in this first chapter, made it very clear. Jesus is the Messiah, I saw the Holy Ghost, I heard the Father. Like, he's clear, this is the Messiah. But what John didn't realize, and what honestly most of the Jewish people didn't and still don't realize was that the brochure they had been peddled was inconsistent with the ministry of the Messiah. What they expected Jesus to do when he showed up on the scene was not what he did when he showed up. See, at this particular time in history, uh, the Roman government had taken control of all the Jewish territories in the surrounding area and they were the world's superpower. They were a massive, powerful nation. And as a result of their power, they subjected everybody else to their oppressive practices, their exorbitant taxation, uh, unjust imprisonment, beatings, taking people's homes, just separating families. I mean, it was was rough living in the Roman Empire, if you weren't Roman, that was. But the, the Jews, they understood that there was a promise coming, according to scripture, a Messiah that would show up on the scene and he would save his people. Now, in their mind, what they thought was Jesus was gonna show up he was going to overthrow the Roman government and he was gonna put the Jewish people back at the top of the totem pole where they belonged. He was going to establish once again, their rightful rule and their reign on the planet. In fact, they had misappropriated a scripture in Isaiah chapter nine, where it says that the government will rest upon the Messiah's shoulders. And they assumed that he was talking about the earthly government, that he would come as a politician, he would come as a revolutionary and he would overthrow the government and establish the Jewish people in power but that's not what happened. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't show up as a politician. Jesus didn't show up as a revolutionary like they might've thought he would. Jesus showed up to bring heaven to earth. Jesus showed up to establish a kingdom that was not of this world and a government that was not of this world. And so you can imagine the disappointment of the Jewish people when they saw this Jesus doing something that they didn't expect he would do. Their expectations were not aligning with their experience. Hey, I thought the Messiah was supposed to come and overthrow the Roman government, not be born in the backwoods of Nazareth from a virgin in a very humble way. Like, where's where's the pomp? Where's the circumstance? Where's the king that we've been waiting for? And you can imagine the disappointment in a guy like John, who assumed that Jesus would overthrow the very government whose prison he was rotting away in he finds himself conflicted, disappointed, wondering, why am I here right now? I thought the Messiah was supposed to rescue us from the very people who have me in chains. There's a gap between his experience and his expectation. Now, I'm sure that John, just like all of us at the beginning of a trial season, probably started out with a bunch of faith. He probably started out thinking like, smiling. He's like, <laughs> you guys don't realize there's gonna be a short stay in this prison cell. I know that you think you've got me bound, but it's only a matter of time. My Messiah's coming, he's gonna deliver me. He probably paced across his prison cell. I decree and I declare, hallelujah, Jesus is gonna come and he's gonna set me free. Hallelujah, it's gonna be good. I'm gonna see a victory. Then after a couple days and weeks, a couple of months, and he's still in the prison cell that he was confident Jesus was gonna rescue him from. Suddenly, disappointment begins to settle in. And John enters into a, a phase that I think many of us have entered into before, and perhaps you're there today. I wanna call it the prison perspective. I thought Jesus was coming. Like, I'm his cousin, for goodness sake, we're related. We're like blood. I, I told the whole world that he was coming. I baptized this guy and he's just leaving me here. I, I, I believed that he was my savior. I believed that he was the Messiah. I told other people the same. And now this is where I'm at. I'm stuck in a prison cell and he just doesn't seem to care. And then the question. Are you really the savior or is there somebody else that I should be waiting for? Are you really gonna save me from this or do I need to find another way to get out of this situation? You ever been there before? ever been in that place where the walls of your prison cell begin to talk to you, whisper, and disappointment begins to settle in because you knew that God was gonna do something on the timeline that you gave him But suddenly that timeline has passed and God doesn't seem to be operating according to your expectations. The healing that you prayed and believed and you declared scripture over. You said, Jesus, that by your stripes, I'm gonna be healed. And yet here you are, still sick, still waiting for that healing. That provision, God, I I gave, I tithed. Even in my lack, I continued to remain generous and I I put out 50 applications and not a single person has called me back. I thought you were my provider. I thought you were going to take care of your children. That's what that pastor up there told me. That's what your word says. What's going on? I thought I was your kid. I know families in our church right now that have been praying that God would give them a child for years. They've done everything they know how to do. They've prayed, they've believed, they've fasted. They even went and made sure that You know, that their their bodies were capable of it from the medical field. Like they've done everything they know how to do. And still, God hasn't opened up the womb. And they're asking, are you really the Jesus that I thought you were? Or do I need to find another avenue to get what I need right now? Oh, let's get real. How about COVID? (laughs) Let's talk about that for a minute. (laughs) Seriously? Seriously? We're four months into this thing. There are, yeah. <laughs> there are millions of people all across the planet, faith-filled believers that are fasting every single week and praying every single week and have prayed 2 Chronicles seven fourteen in the morning and at night, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, if they would repent, turn from their wicked ways, I'll heal from heaven and I'll, I'll heal their land. Like, we've done everything we know how to do. We've prayed and nothing's happened yet. Like, what's happening? We're four months into this thing. Hey, Jesus, we're still here. (laughs) And like John, you remember at the beginning of this thing, we're all full of faith, right? Oh, it's only gonna be a couple of weeks. Jesus, you're gonna be victorious over COVID-19. Oh, it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna see a victory. And then here we are. (laughs) I went back and watched a sermon that I preached at the beginning of this thing. Man, I was so confident I'm like, guys, we're going to be here for a couple of weeks, but don't worry. We're going to be back in the building together. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's my bad. <laughs> Remember the beginning of this thing? We're all singing that song, The Blessing. <laughs> May his favor be upon you for a thousand and generations. And your family and your children. Yeah, it's favor. His blessings, going to be upon us. Yo, we ain't sang that song in a long time. <laughs> it's been a few months now. <laughs> and your family, and your children. I've been around my children for four months, all right? They do not deserve a blessing. I'm about to cut one of these kids. Here we are. A gap between expectation and experience. Disappointment begin to settle in. And many of us, found ourselves inquiring of Jesus, just as John did. Hey, are you really who you say you are? Because if you were, I feel like things would be different right now. Are you really the Savior? Are you really the Messiah? Or do we need to be looking somewhere else for what we need right now? I think a lot of people are right there. I know a lot of people are right there right now. And if you are today, whether in this room or watching online, if you find yourself in this space where you're asking, Jesus, where are you? I thought you should be here by now. Are you truly who you say you are? Let, let, me, let me offer just a, a little bit of consolation today, okay? Look at me, look at me real quick. Look at my eyeballs, just like I tell my kids. Look at my eyeballs, you see me? If you're wondering, if you're inquiring, if you're doubting, if you're disappointed, listen, ready? That's Okay. It's okay. It's okay to wrestle with your faith sometimes. Can I say that? It's okay to have some questions of Jesus. Jesus is not scared of your inquiry. He's not concerned that maybe your faith has waned a little bit. He doesn't count you any less righteous today because you've got some questions in your head or you're wondering, like, is this thing ever going to end? He's not even holding that question against you today, all right? Just breathe deep for a moment. In fact, if you look at Jesus's response to John's disciples right after this interaction, Jesus looks at the crowd that he was talking to before he was interrupted by John's disciples, and he begins to brag about John the Baptist. He honors him in front of this whole crowd. In fact, he goes as far as to say that John the Baptist is the greatest human that has ever walked this planet, the greatest man ever born of flesh. I tell you that because if Jesus said that the greatest man ever born of flesh was struggling with disappointment and doubt and wonder and inquiring of Jesus whether or not he truly was the Messiah, then I think that there's a little bit of hope for you and I as we navigate through a season where we don't quite have all the answers and we're wondering, Jesus, are you still here? It's okay. It's okay to think like that sometimes. But I want us to look at how Jesus responded to this doubt because as he responds, I think he lets us in on something that we could all benefit from today where hope could begin to arise once again in our hearts as it pertains to whatever situation we're walking through. Look at what he says to John's disciples in Matthew chapter 11, verse four. Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and what you've seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear and the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. Pause for a moment. As I studied this this week, I learned something that I had never understood before about John the Baptist. Obviously, I wasn't alive during that time, but based on what the theologians are saying, and in fact, based on what Jesus says in this scripture, I believe this to be true. Many have written and many understand that it is likely John the Baptist never got to witness a single one of Jesus's miracles. The reason Jesus looks back at this crowd and he says, or excuse me, to John's disciples, and he says, go back and tell John what you have heard and what you've seen is because John the Baptist never got to hear and never got to see the miracles that everybody else got to see. In fact, if you trace the timeline from the moment that Jesus was baptized, went into the wilderness, was tempted by the devil for 40 days, began to start his ministry, and you follow the map of his ministry, by the time he made it back to where John was, John was already locked up in prison. So when Jesus was out there doing the miracles, opening the blind eyes and opening deaf ears and raising the dead, John was stuck in chains and he never got a chance to witness the miracles that many people attributed to their faith. He had to believe blindly a little bit. Now, when you consider that, it almost makes Jesus's comments to John feel a little insensitive. Like, think about it for a moment. Disciples come. John says, hey, can you go ask Jesus about this? And Jesus, Jesus tells John's disciples, hey, just go tell John what you're seeing right now. Go tell him what you're seeing here. Hey, yo, cuz. That's how I picture Jesus talking to his cousin. Hey, yo, cuz. I'm out here, man. I'm doing these miracles. It's amazing. People are being raised from the dead. Blind eyes are being opened. The lame are walking. If you saw what was happening out here, there is no doubt that you would you'd understand I'm the Messiah. Like if I'm John, that does not help me at all." <laughs> Thanks, Jesus, appreciate it. I would love to come see what's happening out there, but I'm kind of stuck right now. (laughs) I'm in a prison cell. I would love to come see the blind eyes open and the lame walk, but why don't you make a miracle over here real quick so that I can come see that? Hey, I'm glad that everybody else is experiencing the fullness of who you are right now, but for whatever reason, I don't seem to be experiencing the miracles that others have. Hey, I know that person was healed, but I haven't been healed. I heard that person's story of provision. I ain't got nothing. So, so I'm grateful, Jesus, that all that's happening, but that does not help my faith today. And if we're not careful, we can think that that's what Jesus is telling John here. Hey, if you just saw miracles, you'd believe. That is not what Jesus is telling John right here. Jesus said, blessed are those who don't see a single thing, and yet they still believe in me. So what is Jesus telling John? Well, Jesus is issuing an invitation to John that I think he's issuing to every single one of us here today. As the title of the sermon would suggest, Jesus is saying, hey, will you believe beyond the bars? Will you believe beyond what you're seeing right now, John? Will you believe beyond your experience? I know that you think I should be in that prison cell setting you free right now. I know you think that I should be overthrowing the Roman government. I know you think that I should have healed by now or I should have provided by now or I should have given you a baby by now or I should have restored the marriage by now. I know you think that this is what I should be doing. But there's a bigger narrative taking place than the situation you find yourself in right now. I know you think that COVID should have been eradicated from the earth by now, but there's something bigger that's taking place in the spirit that you cannot see. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They are higher than yours. And I'm asking you today, will you continue to put your faith in me when you do not see the outcome that you thought you should see by now? Will you believe beyond the bars? Let me ask you, will you believe today beyond your experience? Will you be, believe beyond your current prison cell? Because listen, I know this isn't the kind of preaching that gets a whole lot of amens, but this is important for us to understand. Let me remind us today, Jesus does not owe you a single miracle. Jesus owes you nothing. <sighs> he doesn't. Does he do miracles? Absolutely. Does he heal the sick? Absolutely. Does he raise the dead? Absolutely. Should we pray as scripture commands us to? Absolutely. But he doesn't know us a thing. The greatest miracle that has ever taken place is the one you're sitting in right now. The fact that you've put your faith in a man who went to the cross for you and resurrected to new life and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, the fact that you've placed your faith in him, that is the only miracle that you ever need on this planet. Anything beyond that is simply a bonus. And we need to remember that. We cannot obligate God to things that he has not obligated himself to only to decimate our faith when they don't come to pass. We are held to the same standard of faith whether or not God does the miracle that we believe he should, period. So let me ask, even if it didn't happen, even if you never left that prison cell, can you still believe beyond those bars? Because if you can, there's a promise that Jesus gives to all of us and to John in the last sentence of the scripture we're studying today. A promise that we can cling to that will carry us through any season of disappointment in this life. Come back to Matthew chapter 11 as the band comes and we conclude. Here's what he says. Jesus added, God blesses those who do not fall away on account of me. God blesses those who do not fall away on account of me. Translation, God blesses those who don't leave me when their expectations don't align with their experience. God blesses those who even in the midst of a prison cell can say he is still God. God blesses, wait a minute, hold on. I thought blessing, I thought blessing was the answer to the prayer. That's what we're taught in America, right? Right? That's what we're taught in modern day Christianity. I thought blessing was the healing. I thought blessing was the provision. I thought blessing was the restoration. I thought blessing was the eradication of this sickness. I thought that was the blessing. Well, Jesus is inviting you to a greater blessing. A blessing that is far greater than a clean bill of health or a filled bank account, even a filled stomach. He's inviting you into something called eternal blessings something that's stored up for you beyond this lifetime. Hey, let me remind you, this ain't it. You are passing through this life. The 85 years that we put so much effort to or however long you get here on this planet, the things we gripe and complain over, the things we travail over, they're a puff of smoke in light of eternity. And there is a blessing for those who are willing to see life through the right perspective who are willing to understand, you know what? John was in a prison cell, but it was really nothing more than analogous for the life we find ourselves in right now. Welcome to this prison cell called skin, this prison cell called earth. And we're gonna be here for a little bit, but I can see beyond the bars of my temporary existence. I can see beyond the prison cell I find myself in right now because I am not living for this life. I am not living for provision here or healing here or anything else that I think I'm gonna obligate God to. I am living for eternity. I am living for the day when Jesus stares me face to face and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I'm living for. And there is a blessing for those who can see life through that lens. Spurgeon says it like this, and I conclude with this quote. Blessed is he who can be left in prison, can be silenced in his testimony, can seem to be deserted of his Lord, and yet can shut out every doubt. That's what it means to believe beyond the bars today, to believe beyond what we see. And I wanna pray that over all of you here today and all of you watching online. Can we bow our heads in this room? and Let's conclude. Jesus, I thank you for your word. Oh, I thank you for hope that can arise, knowing that regardless of how difficult things get here, this life is but a breath of smoke. And one day we're gonna see you in heaven and none of it's gonna matter. I pray for every person right now who's disappointed, every person whose heart has grown weary. Jesus, like wind entering the sails of a ship on the ocean, would you fill them today with hope? Fill them with hope that would compel them from this point forward. Even as we go back and our city shuts down for a couple of weeks today, I speak hope that will carry us through the next couple of weeks of this storm. May disappointment dissolve right now in the presence of Jesus. And may we gain eternal perspective to see beyond the bars. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.